0: Welcome to the Alliance Live podcast, spotlighting emerging issues, examples of good practice and innovation taking place within health and social care in Scotland. So welcome to, to today's Alliance Live podcast. My name is Tommy Whitelaw. I'm the project lead at the Health and Social Care Alliance, and I'm uh, joined tonight by a good friend and colleague, uh, Gillian McCauley, Nurse Director at NHS Lothian. Uh, welcome, Gillian, and, uh, and how are you doing just now?
1: Thanks, Tommy. I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, excited to be here, excited to be speaking to you tonight and really looking forward to it.
0: Right. So I suppose to start off, priorities have really shifted in the last month or two with COVID-19. Uh, how have they shifted for you and your colleagues? How have they shifted as a, direct, a nurse director, but also for all the colleagues that you work with across across Logan?
1: So part of this, Tommy, um, our, our, some of our priorities remain unchanged. Um, we want to provide safe, compassionate, person-centred care. And if anything, the focus on that has become even greater than it, than it was before. We've had to pause some of our developments, absolutely, and focus our energies in setting up new flows for patients and um, new, new work streams. Um, We've had lots of new people join our teams, which has been really, really exciting, Um, lots of education and training and upskilling our staff, and in particular, um, we're really excited to have our student nurseries being part of the the workforce. All our meetings feel a bit strange because they're all done online and we're using Microsoft Teams and um, it's been it's been quite amazing getting used to um, the nuances of 26 people um, on a chat room almost and, and making sure that everybody's voice is heard so we've had to practice some of that and we've had to learn a wee bit about the etiquette of doing things online and making sure that we feel that we're still all connected To be honest, I think we do all miss the human contact that we had before, and as much as it's worked very well for us, I think um, sometimes there's nothing that beats that face-to-face contact. Um, We've got lots of groups set up leading on different things, like the provision of um, equipment, and we've constantly looking at the guidance that we had been given and how we can operationalise this and apply it for the teams but that relies on us to be really efficient and really effective about our communication And um, we've got an NHS Lothian have got a a daily speed read that comes out via the email system. And we've got a a uh, COVID-19 web page set up so that staff know Uh, On a daily basis, they'll get the most up-to-date guidance and they also know if they're on annual leave, then where to go and get that when when they come back. So that's been a really, really um, important thing for us. I think we are working with teams and people that we've never had to work with before. I think I have engaged personally a lot with our psychological therapy team, and up until all of this happened, I didn't. I had never met any of them before, yeah. which was really, really. Um, it's been really great because it's opened up our minds and our scope. And just having that richness of having different people being part of your team and they they bring a whole new dimension to areas that you had never even considered. Um, we've had lots of e-health um, support and the, the technology uh, Microsoft Teams, but not only that, near me and all the other ways that we're engaging with our, our patients. I had in the background been working on a small project looking at telehealth for minor injury attendancies, called Mia. And we got that really escalated and through the system quickly. And, and part of that was the drive to do something differently. Um, and, and that really, really helped.
0: It's interesting because I was watching that process on Twitter actually of something you were working on that had to be pushed through quickly and great interest on it. Just going back, I, I've had the, the privilege of speaking for you, but also sharing a platform with you as we've spoken at universities together. And looking back, as I've followed you for a while back in Lanarkshire and now at Laudan, you, you led the way in Scotland with the open visiting or flexible visiting or welcome visiting, these different ways of of keeping families connected. How do we keep as close to that? Or what, what have you shifted in that? Uh, during the COVID situation, because it was an incredible piece of work you had you had led on.
1: So I think for me, Tommy, um, in the current situation, this is probably the thing that's caused me most personal anxiety. Um, you're right. We uh, across. NHS Scotland, we've done some tremendous work in leading the way around families and um, connections and the importance to that, while uh, their loved ones, particularly, are in a a hospital setting. Um, So my passion as a leader is absolutely to enable and create the conditions for person-centred care and compassion. And a large part of what our patients tell us is, being with their families when they're ill um, is really, really important to them. And, and, and usually that's the one thing they say that matters um, most. And it's a fundamental part of human being that when we are ill or when we are stressed, that we reach out to something that we recognize. And usually that is um, a person, a family, a carer or a, or a friend. And you know, over the last six years, I have evidence that when we engage with families, we know more about our patients. Falls reduce, nutrition improves, and hydration improves. And and I think for me, um, personally, I miss families being part of the team right now. And I know our um, nursing teams miss that too. Um, but we've had to look for new ways and lots of other things that, that we're doing. And we've had to do exactly the same right now. Um, We absolutely need to adhere to the guidance in terms of infection prevention and control. So that's our single most safety element that we bring into everything that we do every day. Um, I was really, really delighted when I read um, the guidance document that Jason Leach and Fiona McQueen put out from the Scottish Government around some of the essential visits that we should consider um, as clinical teams, because I really welcome that. With that guidance though, there's some practical applications that we need to do at hospital level to make sure that teams feel supported and can do the right thing, whilst adhering to all the infection control measures and social distancing and everything that goes um, around it. So we took that, that document that was produced and, and made an operational guide for um, our teams and it was called um, connecting patients, families, carers and friends during illness and at the end of life throughout COVID-19 and this was a really important and welcome document by our our teams and one that I've shared via social media for others to use and I will continue to share. For some of our vulnerable groups, um, particularly those patients with dementia, having a member of their family there can almost be like a drug, like it's like a therapy. And it's the one thing that often just settles people down. And we wouldn't deny people their medication, so why would we deny them the connection that they absolutely need? Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that we're doing this currently for every single person, but we make that risk assessment. And if we feel that it's going to be detrimental not to have that connection, then we absolutely make the provision adhering to all the guidance and, and make sure that patient and families um, are, are, are together. We've also um, engaged really closely with our organisational um, Development director, Amanda, and she's been so good at engaging with the clinical teams in ways that she probably hasn't before. But she's supported us to um, work through an idea that we've seen on social media um, whereby we take photographs of the staff members and print them onto sticky labels. And we've got them as the Hello My Name is, and it'll be the person's um picture but also their their role in the organization so that might be nurse it might be um physiotherapist or porter or domestic and that's really really helped that um connection and engagement and i think it's reduced down some of the fear that patients have because you know I know there's lots of pictures on social media of staff and their protective um, equipment, but it can be quite scary for patients with a um, cognition issue and they're not recognising or even understanding why we might be uh, wearing our protective equipment. Um, we've got a number of other ways that, that we are really trying to work and connect. We've got um, the virtual visiting. So we're using, we've been donated so many lovely gifts and and, and iPads being one of them. And um, across all our um, acute hospitals in Lothian, we've introduced virtual visiting. So it's a really good way and an easy way for families to keep um, connected. And we had one story uh, which you've been involved in, um, Tommy, through the check-in and chat. So, I mean, lots of lovely examples of that. Another example that I um, really just came across, I had a lady who had written to me, her um, uncle had died in a hospital in Ireland. And they, as a family, were really, really struggling um, with the whole um, social distancing, not being able to visit, although there was a member of the family there um, with them at the end. But she had seen a lovely idea on Twitter, and she wrote in a letter to me. And inside um, the bag with the letter were um, small bags with two, two love hearts in each bag. And she'd seen the idea that when patients are ill or at end of life, that maybe the patient can have one of the love hearts and the family member can have the other. And then in a way, they both, they both feel connected to each other. So we've, we've introduced that. We've got people crocheting love hearts, knitting love hearts. There's rainbow love hearts. And it's just a lovely, easy way for people to stay connected. We um, are also looking at patient diaries, and this was something in our critical care units over a number of years. Um, you know, there's been examples of this, and one of our critical care nurses um, did a PhD, and um, she her project was patient diaries. So we thought it would be quite nice if we could work at reintroducing that and she's written some guidance to help us support do that so that patients can keep a diary of things that are happening in hospital and share it and maybe share it on the FaceTime because sometimes when we go on FaceTime or Zoom calls you get stuck in the moment you don't actually know what to say whereas if there's a diary then it's an easy recollection for the patient of things that have been happening to them. And also we thought it would be quite nice if families felt that they wanted to keep a diary of events that were happening in family life that they could then share back with the patients. So we're working on that and this is all work in progress as we're moving through at quite a fast pace, some real changes. Um, I think most of our staff have really struggled with... um, how they keep their social distance but support families in times of crisis and one of the ways that we have come up with doing this is a hug and a card so that maybe we don't have that physical contact with families when they're stressed, but we can write down um, that we're finding it difficult or um, we can write down um, some fond memories of the patients that we're looking after and and give that as a keepsake to the family member. So we're trying to be as creative as we possibly can um, around um, making connections and, and doing them in ways that are are wide-ranging, because not all people like to do FaceTime or Zoom, some people like to stick to some of the traditional ways of writing things down, so we just need to make sure that we're doing that in an individual, person-centred way.
0: I love these, uh, <coughs> these different initiatives and ways that you're uh, designing to keep people connected. I really love the heart side here, one of the big things in the intelligent kindness research is that uh, when we hold the hands of someone that we love, our hearts synchronize yeah. uh, and we feel safer, we feel more secure. So in these days, when we're not always able to do that, I just love the idea of the hearts. It reminds me of that synchronization. That, yeah. that, that sounds, that sounds uh, these sound really good. And, and as a son who cared for his mom, to hear these different ways you're keeping people connected, I really, really understand that the importance of that. Just, just a, bit, a wee bit, I know you've done a lot of work on the What Matters to You conversation, but how how are the, your colleagues finding different ways to ask what matters uh, and keep that it's, it, it's through person-centred care? And actually, how are you doing that with the staff as well? And I think it's really important to make sure we ask each other, uh, our colleagues and friends, how do you manage to get the balance of making sure we keep asking Patients and families, what matters to them, but also to the colleagues at the same time.
1: So we continue to do the what have the what matters um, to you conversations. I think the conversations have become really, really important, and the use of um, p- patient boards and all the things that we had put in place prior to this finding ourselves in the situation that we're in. Um, I think maybe there are some anxieties amongst the staff that um, patients may ask for things through the what matters to you or um, identify things that, are, uh, that really, really matter to them that are difficult to, lo- to deliver because of some of the restrictions that we've got just now. So we just need to flex in and adapt that in the best way that we possibly can. And, and connecting with um, our friends is probably one that, you know, is quite a challenge for us just now, but we just need to flex and adapt um, the ways that we do that.
0: These are great initiatives. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you do that? Find out what matters to your colleagues as well, to the teams you work with and decide
1: what matters to our staff again has been um, critical and, th- and that's probably the biggest area of change and development over the last um, six to eight weeks. Um, we, I was down in one of the wards in St John's and they had this lovely rainbow on the wall made of love hearts and um, there were all the goals that um, the staff were going to do um, once this was all over. Um, and I, I was reading through it and one of the the, the comments was that um, one of the nurses was going to go wedding dress shopping and get married. And, you know, it crystallizes um, your thoughts around some of the things that people, personal things that they've had to put on hold. Um, d- given the situation that we're in most people were saying that they wanted to spend time with their family and in particular those who had grandchildren and you know wanted that connection um, back again. We have particularly focused quite a bit on well-being and making sure that our staff feel they get time away from what, what has become a really high pressured clinical environment and um, one of the first things we um, developed was a going home checklist and we got the teams together and um, get the wording right and, and just for people to say you know at the end of the day i'm going home now i'm going to reflect on something that maybe didn't go so well today and i'm going to let it go yeah. i'm going to check if my friends are all right and my colleagues are all right Uh, And then before I leave I'm going to think about three good things that happened today that went really really well and then I'm going to leave, relax, unwind and take time to myself. So the staff have found that guidance really really comforting. Um, the other thing that we are doing is having wellbeing huddles. So safety huddles are a, a real common thing that have um, evolved through the last ten years of part, as part of the Scottish Patient Safety Programme. But to have a wellbeing huddle, we felt was really, really important. Where we check in with each other, we un- we understand each other, and we also reflect. Um, if maybe members of our team are struggling, and we have to bear in mind right now that everyone is dealing with their own personal challenges, as well as the work and professional challenges that they see on a day-to-day basis. So members of our team might be worried about a family member at home or something that, that, that they're bringing to the work, um, their work. And, and within that team, they can seek support and if we don't give people the opportunity to do and speak in in, in a way that feels um, engaging that's supportive that feels safe to to have those conversations then we won't we won't be able to support all the members of the team now not everyone likes to take the opportunity to speak out but we have that opportunity and we also have um wobble rooms a lot of the the wards of um put aside a a small quiet space for staff to take time out to be themselves or just to be with one other person. Um, We've got wellbeing hubs in all our acute hospitals. There's yoga mats, there's um, quiet rooms. Um, We've engaged in the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh with um, the airlines and project wingman and that is um, they've created a lounge for us to support staff who are taking time out of the clinical area and just to make that uh, feel relaxing and um, supportive
0: sounds great because it fits into those human needs that we all have whenever we work that we have camaraderie we feel valued uh, so can, can I ask just because, in particular, because you and I have uh, done quite a lot, few talks together with students, with the next generation of student nurses, uh, and I, I believe you'll have quite a few student nurses coming in to support at this point, some a bit earlier than maybe they thought, how, how are you, uh, how, how is that working out and how are, you su- how are you supporting the student nurses at this time?
1: So the students are delighted to be there. I was talking to a group of 31 of them on Monday at the Children's Hospital, so um, they're they're excited. I think they're also a bit apprehensive, um, but what we're telling them is they've joined um, the profession at the greatest time that they could ever join, and there'll be lots of opportunities for them to develop. Their skills and and work alongside teams and do great work every day. So I think um, they're excited and apprehensive, but we are delighted to have them as part. They're a really really valuable part of our um, workforce because they see things very differently. They're fresh pairs of eyes, yeah. and we absolutely need to take advantage of that.
0: That's amazing. Can I just moving it on? It's something that uh, uh, that I've written about. Uh, caring for my mum and after, and, and after my mum passed away, you know, as, as a lone carer and feeling that sense of loss and what where my purpose was after that, what do I do? I've been caring for my mum for six years. I've seen you get this incredible guidance about the importance about talking uh, about loss, death and end of life care. Why is this conversation so important, Gillian?
1: For us as professionals, Tommy, it has always been an honour and a privilege to be part of someone's end of life journey, both for that patient and for their family. And never, ever has it been more important right now to engage with patients and families in those conversations about end of life and preparing people for for what that is, and also um, to hear what someone's last wishes are and and our duty to make sure that we endeavour in every way possible to carry them out. I've heard personally so many heartbreaking stories um, that families have not been connected at the end of life. And um, it makes me upset every time that I hear a story like that. Um, And I know that across the system, At the beginning, we might have not been able to get it right for every family and every patient. But I absolutely am passionate about making sure that going forward, we have the conversations, we ask what matters, and even complying with the guidance, we can always do what matters. So it's possible to visit during illness and end of life. It's possible to respect patients' and families' wishes. It's also possible for families to hold their loved one's hand without gloves and make that connection that is so important, Tommy, the connection that you spoke about. Um, so it's possible to do all of this and it's possible to be there at end of life and attend a funeral. All of this is possible. And I think we need to be really clear um, at, at supporting that for um, our, our families. and um, Because we as a profession, absolutely want compassion and value for every single end of life experience and we don't want the trauma and consequences to be our legacy. Well thank you
0: for that, that's uh, it's really lovely to hear your, 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 your passion and is it okay if we you share your guidance along with this, uh, the guidance that you put together along, yeah, with, yeah, the, along with this podcast? We'll, we'll make sure that's shared on our website along with some of the other Uh, the well-being, the tree and the wall you've been sharing with us as well. So just just now where we are, how might some of the responses rooted in compassionate care during COVID-19 be leveraged in the future to strengthen person-centered care? And are some of the changes you've made, are they here to stay? Some of the changes you've had to
1: make? So. Absolutely. I think there's lots of things, and probably 90% of the changes that we have made will, will absolutely be here to stay, and the ones around all the, the Teams meetings, maybe, will do a balance of that in the future. Um, Caring has been a wee bit different for us um, and, and I think the, the one thing that most teams have struggled with is the barrier that their personal um, protective equipment has 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 made it a wee bit difficult and they're often in feeding back saying patients can't see me smile and um, I'm finding it really really difficult and, and we're you know sent saying, you know, I know but people smile with their eyes as well as their mouth and, you know, it's okay just to talk out some of your actions and feelings and your facial expressions. Um, I think what this has done undoubtedly is strengthen our relationship with our patients and the public and uh, and it's given an opportunity to um, make connections and explore ways of working that we would never even have have dreamed of. I think across organisations, we um, work in a very hierarchical structure um, and what this has allowed us to do is um, work in, in, in and we've, we've reduced a lot of those barriers and, and we're really finding now, particularly engaging with teams that we've never done before, that I, I wouldn't want any of that to change. And I remember one of the senior charge nurses last week saying to me that she had been, um, had a WhatsApp message from one of the consultant anaesthetists about um, patients that um, they, they needed to move around the system. And she said, I would never have even have engaged at all in uh-huh. conversations like that, but I'm having to do it just because we're working and changing at such a fast pace. So that's been really, really um, good and I think we've done lots of things like we've recruited people at a speed that we've never done before so that's amazing why can't we just do that now um, no pressure on all those people who have been drafted in to help us but things like that have been, been, been amazing.
0: It's one of the remarkable things about our NHS and the people who make it the NHS is that that speed and able to adapt isn't it as well I mean it's uh, through this COVID but actually it's the history of the NHS in many ways in really difficult times uh, that that they're able to adapt so quickly. So I think just finally, uh, what do you think your priorities maybe after this with the work you do Do you think? What what would be the next priorities do you think?
1: So I think um, we'll assess all the things that have gone well and formally do that. Um, I've got a, a wee dry whiteboard in my office and I've called it over the rainbow. And <laughs> I've, been, I've been putting post-its on it and, and all the things that I hear, um, teams saying, This is just great, it's great to be working like this and it's made such a difference to what we do on a day-to-day basis so we're trying to capture all of that and make sure that um, we absolutely um, crystallise that. We're going to have to make quite a bit of change to the way some of our services are provided particularly in the short term. And if we, if we just look at the way we do outpatient services right now, it's absolutely changed dramatically. And a lot of that is done through um, programmes like um, Near Me. And they've all been set up very quickly. And I think to embed that in our system, we probably just need to go back over it and, and do a bit of work um, around it. How we plan in the next 12 to 18 months for having patients who may be COVID positive in our hospitals and those patients who are not and how we work and, um, to get and achieve um, flow and all the other things that make the workings of a hospital and the operational things really, really efficient we would want to switch back on some of our quality improvement work that we've paused and and get ourselves back into um, what we call battle rhythm, so that we're doing um, all the things that we need to do in all the right places all of of the time. And I absolutely believe keeping the wellbeing parts that we've worked on for staff will be fundamental going forward.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight uh, for this conversation. Uh, I want to thank you for all the work you do and the work that all your colleagues do uh, and keeping kindness and compassionate care and what matters to you at the heart. Uh, it's been a joyful, in many ways, half hour to chat with you. and uh, Thank you very much.
1: Tommy, I would like to thank you as well for giving me the opportunity to share some of um, my personal experiences, um, but also of the, the teams in NHS Lothian. It's been wonderful to chat to you and thank you so much. Thank you very much, Shelley. Thank
0: you. You can find the Alliance Live podcast on all major podcast streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Alliance Live also produce webinars, video interviews and case studies. Watch these by visiting www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. To follow along regularly with Alliance Live content, use the hashtag AllianceLive on Twitter.